Hey, Exchange family, this is Exchanging Stories. The day bus me over to Big Wake and I'm just alone in a room waiting and praying. I'm at this point I'm not even a pla- in a place to like ask God to heal Flora. I'm just saying God, please help me receive the reality you're about to give to me. Well, hey, welcome back Exchange to season 2 of Exchanging Stories. And today uh, we have um, a, a favorite person of mine, uh, Melanie Tribbett. Hey, Melanie. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. So um, Melanie is um, part of a little family at Exchange. Tell us a little bit about who goes with you and how to find you on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, I'm married to Michael Tribbett, um, and we have a cute little redheaded baby girl named Florence. Um yeah, and we're usually sitting in the back. Uh, Michael and I have glasses. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, so they they also sometimes have flora with them, mm-hmm. many times have flora with them. Um, she has got the most squeezable cheeks <laughs> that I've literally ever seen in my entire yes. life. And I know everybody always says that, but it's true. It's yeah. just literally true. Um, I try to, try to refrain, you know, <laughs> it's just every now and again, you got to get a little, little pinch there. Um she is adorable. We'll get to Flora um, here in a little bit. There's a really incredible story that God did at the mm-hmm. very beginning of her life. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of story that leads up to Flora, uh, one of which is um, Michael was a member of Exchange before you moved here and were married to Michael. And yeah. you, you, like, married into the church, right? Yeah. What was yeah. that like? I mean, what was it like to to know that Michael had found this community I'm sure he said good things about it or mm-hmm. else he wouldn't be there, right? But you know almost nobody. At the time, yeah. you probably knew uh, Tyler and Amanda Graham, mm-hmm. who we miss dearly, and I hope you listen to this. Um, but I think, you know, for the for the most part, you don't know who we are or what yeah. we're about, all the things. Yeah. So um, Michael and I, when we started dating, we were long distance. I was living back in Las Vegas, and Michael was living in Wake Forest going to exchange. So one of the first times I um, came out to visit him, uh, we went to exchange or he brought me to exchange. And yeah, I just remember sitting there on the Sunday and the whole experience was great. I was greeted by John Mosley, who is a really good greeter (laughs) at exchange. I think he's one of the first people everyone meets at exchange. Um, I was greeted by him and just met so many awesome people and Michael and I hadn't been dating for too long but and I was trying not to think too far ahead but I just I never after my first experience at exchange I never really thought about looking elsewhere so when we got married I had already felt pretty much a part of the exchange family so I'm really glad that you did yeah (laughs) um I'll 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 ask the question I know the answer because uh the answer to this has, has benefited my family, but where do you guys serve? Where do you guys find joy oh, yes. in serving? We have the pleasure of serving exchange students. Yeah. Uh, Michael and I work with the middle schoolers um, yeah. and we love them. Yes. <laughs> yes. And my middle schooler loves you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think as you were nearing the end of your pregnancy with mm-hmm. Flora um, he was like, we have to have Michael and Melanie over yeah. for dinner before, <laughs> before this happens. And so, um, he has, he has spoken 
a lot of great things about um, you guys' investment into him, like all of the students, really. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, when I come and drop off our kids or pick them up, the the heart that you have for our students is is evident, and we're thankful for that. Thank you. We're really thankful for that. Yeah. Um, so uh, a lot of people maybe know you as Melanie, who um, is mo- married to Michael, the mother now of Flora, uh, the Christ follower, um, but of course, all of those things weren't always the case. No. No. Um, and I think maybe um, the the story of you finding Jesus and Jesus pursuing you is, is a good story. Yeah, and it's one that obviously sets a trajectory for your life and for what He has done and was teaching you in in Flora. Yeah. So let's start there. Like, tell us how how did you find Jesus and how did he pursue you? Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. My parents, um, we did not go to church. Uh, my parents, slight backstory, my mom was born and raised in a, a Mormon family, but they were like Jack Mormon. Um, and my dad was born and raised into a Catholic family, and he just had a really bad experience. Um, so my parents, um, yeah, we they were just, I think they tried to, just protect my sister and I from any unnecessary control over us. And I think, I don't think I ever was an atheist. I was probably agnostic at best. Like I was open to a God that created the world, but I didn't really think or believe in a God that was actively involved who knew my name. Um, He just wasn't part of the conversation. No. Yeah. And I remember just thinking of church. We had, I don't know, like my friends and I, we we knew not what we were saying, but we would just think like church people were weird. Um, we didn't even know sometimes, church people. Sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes is the case. Yeah. It can be the case. Yes. I think it was just like from the media. I don't know, yeah. just from TV shows, seeing sure. like the weird church people. And um, yeah, I don't know. We just thought church people were weird and didn't know anything about Jesus, didn't know anything about them. And Honestly, we didn't know them because there weren't any around us. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think, though, growing up in Vegas, I um, I started kind of just questioning things in my life around 12 years old. Just I, I played soccer. Um, I went to school. I have a twin sister, and we were best friends. And I think I had a lot of things going for me in life, but... I did just start to feel a sense of longing for something more and um, just looking in a bunch of different places um, that just didn't seem to satisfy, for lack of better words. Um, And I remember when I was 15, asking my mom or just trying to express myself to her. um, I just remember telling her, I love you and dad and I love my sister and um, I like playing soccer. I don't mind school, but is this it, mom? Like, I just feel Mm. sad. And my mom just kind of stared at me blankly and was like, I don't know what to tell you. And yeah. And I, I I think that was the beginning of, um, me just really asking a lot of bigger questions when I was 15. Anyways, fast forward, I'm, I'm in high school and there's this one teacher at my high school. He was never my teacher, but I remember any time 
in between periods when the classes, um, you would switch classes so the hallways were filled with students. This teacher would always stand at his door and just make eye contact with each student and say, hi, 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 how are you, hi. And um, over the years, he just learned my name. We had almost 4,000 kids in my high school, so if that tells you anything about this guy's determination to make a connection with every student, it was he was pretty strong. <laughs> um, yeah, so we kind of just built a somewhat of a friendship over the years and he would always advocate for this trip to Mexico. Mm. Um, he would get students to go on this, I'm using air quotes, um, humanitarian trip to Mexico. And I was always just not interested. Um, but I had a crush on a boy who was going on this trip to Mexico. It always starts with a crush on a boy. Yes. The Lord uses anything. So <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden I just felt this strong need to help people in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> So I remember asking my parents and they said, absolutely not. And um, I just threw a fit. I've never done this before, but I was just very determined to go to Mexico um, on this trip. And my parents said yes. And I told my teacher or this teacher, um, his name was Mr. Atwell. I told Mr. Atwell, hey, we're, we're interested in going. And he gave me a packing list. And the first thing on the packing list was a Bible and I just remember asking him, Mr. Atwell, why is a Bible on the packing list? I don't have a Bible. And he said, oh, no, no, don't worry about that. You don't you don't need a Bible. So um, fast forward, we're going on the trip, and the address that we're meeting at is not at the school. It's at a church. And I don't know what that's about. Um, but we show up at this church. We're in a room with a stage and a bunch of weird-looking bench chairs. And <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't know where I am. I just know it's... It's at a church, <laughs> and we're getting ready to leave. And do you have, well, yeah. a, a pause. Do you do you have like any idea of church at this point? No, like, you've, you've never been. What I was describing was a sanctuary, but I wouldn't even know like to t what how to say we were in a sanctuary. We're in a large room with long bench chairs and a right. stage. So like, yeah, never been to a church. Never, I had no idea. Fifteen at this point. I was 16, seventeen. Sorry, 17. yeah. Fast forward now. Okay. I'm seventeen years old. Okay. Um, seventeen years old and. We're at this church, um, and we're getting ready to load up into the vans that are going to Mexico, and they're saying, all right, guys, let's pray. And I'm thinking, that's weird. Why are we praying? Like, are we about to eat or something? But no, we were just getting in the car to go drive, and these people stopped to pray so many times, and I just thought that was the weirdest thing, and all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, Michelle, that's my sister we're with church people. <laughs> we, we just, may be the church people yeah, now. Yeah. Yes. Is this contagious? <laughs> but um, I just remember looking at her like, we're not going to get brainwashed. Like, let's just get in and get out of this trip. Um, and that Unscathed, was our... Unscathed, but with the boy. Yeah, but get the boy and get out. That yes. was the mentality. <laughs> yes. I'm no, just kidding. But anyways, um, yeah, I remember the first night... Um, we unload our vans and we're on this like little church. It's it's a church, but they have like a lot of bunks and stuff. We'll call it a compound. So it's feeling really culty at this point. Um, just kidding. But um, yeah, we we load off load up our bags and unpack and everything, and we're all sitting in a circle and they're saying, "Okay, guys, it's time for worship." And it was the most bizarre thing. Someone pulled out a guitar and everyone just starts singing. And I'm just looking around like, what's happening? Like, 
people are closing their eyes, raising their hands. And I just remember my eyes locked in on one man who was my dad's age. And his eyes were closed and he was just raising his hands, um, like singing to Jesus. And I just remember thinking that he just looked just so precious. Um, and that was like one of the first things I think I noticed um, about the people was that they were all just really kind and gentle and nice. Um, I just had never been a part of a community where people were so kind to each other. And it's not always the case in church. Yeah. But it well, was there I, for sure. by yeah. God's grace, I just had a really good experience. Um, no, and, and you and your sister are maybe the only non-believers in the group? There's or? a handful of us. Okay. Um, so this teacher, backstory, he, his mission field was the public school mm. in Vegas. So he invite was constantly trying to get non-believers to go on this trip. Right. Um, it was a good environment to bring people who weren't Christians. Sure. Um, but have you, yeah. have you like surveyed the, the land basically and you like know by this point, at worship, who knows the songs and who don't? Oh yeah, who doesn't? yeah. So like, some of us were kind of looking at each other, not trying to laugh, and yeah, um, yeah we were definitely just outsiders. Um, but their kindness, like the people from this church, their kindness was pretty disarming pretty quickly. Um, wow. Yeah. So this trip goes on, and we're helping lay a concrete foundation for people in the village, um, La Mission, Mexico, and another team is helping patch up a roof. And um, we're always just praying. And I remember thinking like, this prayer is a waste of time, but whatever, like we're getting our job done. So it's, it's fine. <laughs> but there was um, three days designed for like this construction work in two days designed for ministry. And the big turning point for me was um, when on this trip, on the fourth day, we were going door to door just praying for people in Mexico. And we, we would knock on people's doors. They would invite us into their house. This is really bizarre for me. Um, they would invite us into their house and we would ask them what they need prayer for and we would pray for them. And I just remember anytime we would pray, I would just look down at my feet and kind of wait for it to be over um, until we got to this one house. And then there was this man who was just really sad. He was older and he basically had just said that his wife was in the other room and she was dying and he was just really, really sad. Um, and I just remember I felt like an overwhelming sense of empathy for him, mm. um, just heartbroken for him. And I just remember feeling so desperate for him. I just looked down at my feet and I just said, God, I don't know if you're there. Um, but just please help this man. Um, I know you're not going to heal his wife, but just help him be okay. And I, this is the first time God really just made an appeal to me where I recognized what he was doing. Um, I just heard him say, I love him so much. And whether she dies or stays on this earth, he's going to be okay. Mm. And from that moment on, I really do think I, my belief in an active God who knows our name and mm -hmm. knows his creation, I, I believed in the God I, I believe in now. But I recognized this massive expanse between me and him. Like, 
in that moment, I knew he was perfect and he was good and he was awesome. But I just knew I was not able to talk to him. And I think that was just yeah. the Holy Spirit yeah. working in my heart. Like, hey, we are real. And yeah. um, what and you don't know us. Yeah. yeah. What you're describing is the gospel, but I don't, it doesn't sound like you had heard the gospel. I had point. not. Like, God is holy and I'm not. Yeah. I'm like pre-Jesus gospel right here. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. um, So later on that, that night, um, this is when I heard about Jesus. So same day, same day. Yeah. Later on this day, um, we're in, at nighttime now after like prayer walking through the village. Um, someone was preaching a sermon in Spanish and it was being translated into English. And, um, it was just basically God created this world and he created it perfectly and he loved us. Um, but we messed it up. Mm -hmm. And God, like in his persistence, sent Jesus to um, to just bring us back into relationship with God. Like he died for our sins. He did the hard stuff. Yes. Like he did the things that I, by, by the Holy Spirit, just kind of showed me like, hey, there's a distance between you and God and you're not going to get there and within a couple hours I heard about Jesus and what he did and I just remember hearing and believing like wait a second this good God that I just heard earlier today sent a son to die for me so that I could know him like yes like yeah. I want this and yeah so I heard the gospel like I heard the goodness of God and how I can know him through Jesus and I just said yes and that's how I came that to is know him. Like yeah. Incredible mm -hmm. and so gracious mm -hmm. of the Lord and honestly encouraging. Yeah. I think for all of us who who might look out and you know, it's just hard to see how the Lord gets a hold of yeah. people. Yeah. And like especially I would say especially maybe you know, a 17-year-old girl who has all kinds of stuff mm -hmm. and things swirling around and, you know, chasing boys or whatever. Yeah. The things that every 17-year-old girl, mm -hmm. you know, and has a moment where he speaks to you and speaks the problem mm -hmm. to you in some ways and hope, right? Like yeah. in, in the midst of, I will love this, this guy. I do love mm -hmm. this guy. Also, I want you to feel the distance from me. Yeah. And then so gracious to offer you the solution to the problem that same night. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, I'm really glad I have that memory because, yeah, it was, that day was wild. Um, yeah. I was one way and then I was not yeah. that way. <laughs> I really did yes. become a new creation and ov over the course of a day. And, yeah, I remember, like, coming home from that trip, just telling my parents, mom and dad, I'm different. And, um, just wanting to tell them like something radically changed within me and I want you to know about it. And my dad just responded, don't get weird, Mel. Like, yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. get weird on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was like, yeah, that was, that was a little hard. I came back changed sure. and I entered into the same kind of Yeah. Home. And I mean, obviously there's, um, God is doing something supernatural mm -hmm. in your life mm -hmm. that that um, you know that they haven't seen or experienced yeah. in that way, and I think that communication obviously 
is trying to figure out like how do I communicate the supernatural? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's something that's very real. Yeah. Um, I think it takes time to figure out, you know, which words to use and all the things. Yeah. And um lots of lots of great story that happens from that moment mm-hmm. to a few months ago. Yeah. Lots of great story. Uh which, you know, with time out on this, I would mm-hmm. encourage you exchange. Um Michael and Melanie have some incredible stories <laughs> and these are part of them. Uh, find them. Uh, have them over for dinner, invite them out for lunch after church or something like that, and hear more, ask questions, because I think their faith and their trust in Jesus will absolutely encourage you. I've been encouraged by those mm-hmm. stories. But there's one in particular as we fast forward to and, and get to one that a lot of the church has walked in and through and mm-hmm. was was involved with through prayer is, is Flora, and that little sweet-cheeked baby, you know. <laughs> And, um, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't go like you had thought it was going to go. No, it didn't. So share a little bit about that story. I don't even know exactly where to start, except you guys go into the hospital and it seems like everything's going to be normal. I'll re I'll rewind just a bit further. Like I'm a generally healthy person. The whole pregnancy was awesome. I broke my foot, but Florence was fine. Um, so yeah, I had a picture perfect pregnancy, um, we go into the hospital and, um, we get induced, um, cause I'm over 40 weeks at this point and the induction was fine. Everything was progressing fine. And I remember when labor and pushing started, that was fine. And I just remember constantly asking the doctors like, how's her heart? How's her heart? Cause you can see they're monitoring her heart. Um, and she was fine. She was like in the 130s to 150s the whole time. Um, and I just remember in between pushing, just saying like, Abba, carry us. Abba, carry me. Like, because it's not an easy thing. Um, but I just remember praying the whole time. And there was one point where like the pain kind of subsided. And just I was asking God, like, why am I not in pain? And he was just like encouraging me. This is all in the middle of pushing, by the way. He was just encouraging me saying, I'm kind. Like, I don't want you to suffer. I'm kind. Mm -hmm. And that was just really sweet. But then um, in the last couple minutes of labor, I noticed her heart rate had dropped below 50. And I just asked the nurse who was by my side, I was just like, is she okay? And the nurse said, like, she's fine. Babies get stressed at this point. You're going to get her out soon. And the next push, she came out. And they laid her on me and immediately took her off, like, within a half second. And before I knew it, all these alarms were just going off and these people are rushing in. And I'm calm because I don't know what's happening at this moment. I just figure maybe she's just got gunk in her lungs and they're going to suck it out. Like, I don't know what's happening, so I'm I'm calm, just saying, God, like, I trust you and... I trust you. I don't know. Everything was fine, and I, I didn't realize what was happening in that moment. But then um, I asked the nurse next to me what's happening, and her eyes just kind of get wide. I just say, like, um, is she okay? Or I ask if she's okay, and the nurse just kind of looks at me, and her eyes are wide, and she just doesn't respond. And then I asked the doctor what's happening, and he's just focused on fixing me up. I'll spare you all the details. <laughs> and my, my sister came 
to be there and Olivia was there. Um, Olivia Hayes, y'all know Red Exchange. If you don't, you should. Um, but she was there as my doula. Um, but anyways, um, I kind of just call for Michael. Like, Michael, what's going on? And I just hear what I think is him just groaning. Like there's like a noise coming out of him that I've never heard before. Mm. And I can hear my sister whimpering. And Olivia's just by my side and she's just praying under her breath. And this is when I knew like, okay, like um, this is worse than just gunk in her lungs. Like something bad happened. Um, Mm. And immediately like there were just like lies coming in my head like you didn't pray enough during your pregnancy or your laboring didn't hurt enough so why do you think you should have the joy of this child um isn't that such a a tool moment of the enemy yeah (laughs) to use like maybe one of the most difficult moments that Mm -hmm. we could walk through Mm -hmm. and in that moment throw the most ridiculous lies yeah like and yeah yeah and right after Right after God was just saying, I'm kind and I love you and I'm carrying you and Florence through this, you know, like, um, (laughs) so yeah, it was, it was rough. Like there was just like a war going on within me, but I just remember the Holy Spirit saying like, she's in my hands. So when I was like praying and meditating, like through the labor saying, Abba, carry us, like Abba, carry me. I just remember saying like, God, she's yours, like, and just, God was just confirming, like, she's in my hands, Mm. and I remember in that moment, just laying in that bed with all the chaos happening, like, really just visualizing heaven, like, right in front of me, saying, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but she's going to be there, she's going to be here. That's a tough thought. I mean, I think, you know, when you, when you understand the gravity of that moment and you think about and you know for for nine months really longer than that you you carry this child and you you develop this incredible bond yeah you haven't even laid eyes on them yet right like yeah but you love i mean the level of love yeah um that comes out of your pores for this kid yeah and like you said, it was it was like a half a second. Mm-hmm. You got to touch her, yeah, and then pull her away. And I, I think in in that moment, right, like you wonder, is that half of a second all I get? Yeah, yeah. Um, that really was going through my head. And when she was on me at that point, we didn't know if she was alive or not. Um, by the way, she was when she came out. But, um, yeah, that was, that was all really rough. Um, anyways. So they give you a diagnosis yeah. kind of quickly or they give you it's, like, here's it's a the couple th- hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so of like just waiting. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so they took yeah. her, they took her mm-hmm. from the room and you and Michael and Olivia and Michelle yeah. are sitting in the room and no information. Yeah. So they before going into the hospital and everything I told Michael like whatever happens just follow Florence like whatever happens if anything goes wrong and Michael's like yep got it and I just remember 
they were taking her out and Michael's asked one of the doctors, like, can I go with you? And they said, no, we got to get her to a sterile room. So they, they take her and the crowd kind of leaves the room and it's just Michael, uh, me, Michelle and Olivia and, um, and one of the nurses and Michael just comes to my bedside. And I remember though, just at this point, like through all the chaos, just praying, like God really did give, give me just an overwhelming peace. Um, just like no matter what, it's going to be okay. And I just remember Mm -hmm. looking at Michael saying, Michael, no matter what, it's okay. It's always okay Mm -hmm. because like God's on the throne. And I believed that. Um, so we just prayed together and it was funny. Like how old were you or how old are you at this point when you give birth? I'm 28 years old when I gave birth. So almost in less than 10 years. Mm -hmm. God takes you from not even really believing that he's out there Mm -hmm. to in this moment of your life saying, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know him and I trust him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like, that is a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, to take the human heart and the human mind Mm -hmm. from there. And, And that's why I say exchange. There's a lot of story that happens between that moment you know, it's at 17 in this moment at 28. Yeah. But I think that's, that is like the kindness of God. Yeah. To take us from this place to that place. Yeah. In preparation for moments like this. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it wasn't all clear, but yeah, like Michael and I, and we just committed to trusting him. Um, but there, there was a violent, like, thought process going on of just we trust him but what if we trust him but what if but um yeah like it it was really interesting and by God's timing like we had a worship playlist playing um and when like the all the loud commotion like they left the room um the song it is well was playing goodness yeah and I remember immediately like when the noise simmered down and it left and I just heard that song playing my flesh like felt offended like is it well it like that's what I was just thinking to myself but it was just immediately met with it is well like whatever God gives us whatever our lot like it's as we as know the that flesh it's well and your spirit were wrestling it in that moment it yes that whole day that whole yeah, that whole day, it was just a constant battle, but just the, the spirit of Christ within me and within Michael was constantly just coming out on top, like giving us peace. And yeah, I love that. So, yeah. so they do like, so they, so they're going to take Flora to somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we, we get Flora's diagnosis. She has moderate HIE. Um, what that means is she had a traumatic injury to her brain and she needs to go to big wake med, um, to go to the NICU and be treated. They're going to, the treatment for that is they put you on a cooling blanket right? to slow any damage that can happen to your brain. And then uh, the doctor who came in, she was just, um, really like solemn, just saying, this is her diagnosis. We don't know what this means. Prepare yourself for a long journey 
So this diagnosis really means your child can might not make it or your child will have um, severe, severe disabilities. Um, and that was just like new information for Michael and I, because up until this point, we had a healthy baby inside my belly. So, right. yeah, so we were we're getting ready to go to the big hospital. Mm-hmm. And of course and you can't. You can't leave right right yet. Well, You're they were really kind. Like the paramedics show up and they, they're getting ready to like load me into the bed um, to bus me over to the hospital. But Florence, it's going to take her a lot of time to get ready to go to the hospital because they have to hook her up to a ton of machines. Yeah. Um, and these paramedics probably waited for over an hour just to make sure we could go out at the same time. Goodness. And like the first time I saw her was when I got to pass by her in the hallway and I just, what an excruciating feeling. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was like one of the best and confusing and worst moments of my life. Like they're like, all right, she's up here. And I just see this mountain of machines and we're feel like it was just a million machines. Cause I was just going by all these machines that she was hooked up to. And then I just see this little glass box with this baby hooked up to like a million wires and, um, I just remember yelling like Florence <laughs> and then, like yes. just crying because yeah. I could see her yeah. um, consumed by technology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, just like surrounded by yeah. all these things. And yeah. so it, meanwhile, like all of this stuff is happening mm-hmm. and there's probably a text or two that's gone. Oh, out. my gosh. Yeah. So when after we got the diagnosis, um, Michael texts everyone who he knows um, that praise, like, Hey, I don't know what he sends them, but he just like calls on exchange and a bunch of people all over the world to pray. And within a couple hours, we had hundreds of people from all over the world praying for her. Literally all over the world. Yeah. 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 Literally. (laughs) I mean, I, I, you know, like I remember those texts Mm -hmm. and just like, it just, it, um, I, I don't, it didn't spread uh, slowly, <laughs> you no. know. Like the the <laughs> yeah. prayers. It was like one text turned into a thread and nerve endings that went yeah. literally everywhere. Yeah. Um, just people begging God to yeah. do something incredible, and so, so that's happening. Like I'm sure you guys know it. You, you understand. Like, okay, you're praying. You're on your way to big. Like, um, what happens there? Yeah. Um, God just met our family in so many ways. Like when that text went out by God's design, Ed was like literally right across the street. Um, and Michael was in no place to drive to yeah. big wake. So <laughs> yeah, that's Ed, a story for another that's day. That's a story for lots, another day. Lots oh my of gosh. incredible comments. Yeah. I'll yeah. just leave that out there. Yeah. Um, but, um, so Michael was taken care of. Um, yeah. would they bus me over to big wake and I'm just alone in a room waiting and praying again, just like, I'm at this point, I'm not even a pla- in a place to like ask God to heal Flora. I'm just saying, God, please help me receive the reality you're about to give to me. Um, hmm. And Michael and Ed eventually come into my room and they're just like, the nurses are saying she looks great. And I'm like not believing them. Um <laughs> Because of everything that just happened, like we didn't even know if she was going to survive her first two weeks right. of life. And then yeah. we were told if she did, she was going to have, like, she might not be able to eat on her own, like cerebral palsy, like all these things were yeah. just thrown out. And all of a sudden, 
Michael and Ed are just like the nurses are saying she looks really great and I'm just like numb at this point. Like Yeah, I mean that's an emotional yeah, roller coaster to yeah, say the least. I right? wanted to believe it, but I also just didn't want to accept it in the event that it wasn't true. Right. But what was gonna happen from that point was just they were gonna continue testing her and keeping her on the cooling blanket mm-hmm. and Honestly, the rest of the story, there's so much to this story, but the rest of it goes is like the doctors are preparing us. Okay, this is the next stage of her treatment. These are the things that could happen, meaning like she could have a seizure or uh, I won't even detail all of it. But um, she was fine. Like the whole time she was just a really normal baby on a cooling blanket. Yeah, I I, I remember like somebody saying Ed was there and and. I think was able to hear things probably more yeah. soberly than Michael yeah. at that moment. <laughs> uh, God bless him. But, yeah. um, you know, there was a nurse that came in mm. mm-hmm. and she said, I don't know if they read the scans wrong there, mm-hmm. but nothing's wrong with this child. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, they were just, the hospital got a message saying we're receiving this baby with moderate HIE. This is the condition she's in. And the baby they received was a very angry baby that wanted to breathe on her own. Yes. That honestly did not want to be on that cooling blanket. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. like our belief, to be clear, mm-hmm. is that the first hospital read her scans correctly. Well, yeah. Like they took blood tests and you can see the amount of ac- lactic acid in her blood, meaning like yeah. how much... Um, her body was responding to the lack of oxygen and blood flow. Yeah. And it was yeah, there. like it's there and it's, they align with each other. Um, to be honest, like I was trying to like m- explain this, like, I don't know what happened. It was weird. It might've been a misdiagnosis. I was trying to like unexplain a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I was having a hard time thinking like God did this, yeah. like God just healed my baby. Um, Yes. Yeah. But to be clear, yeah. it's our belief at exchange. <laughs> yeah. It's our belief at exchange that God can and does heal people. Yeah. He does miracles. Yeah. And it's our belief at exchange that Flora had this correct diagnosis. Mm-hmm. People prayed. God healed. Yeah. And you get to Wake Med and everyone is absolutely like confused. Mm-hmm. But I think we believe, right? And and I, I've said this too. Like my my first response is to do what you did. If like mm-hmm. let's try to explain this yeah. s- with science and medicine. Yeah. And I think the greater thing here is is to just say, man, God did a miracle. Yeah, He did, and I am just really humbled every time I look at Florence today. Like, like she is a miracle. Um, we were, I think of like the story with the blind man and Jesus healing him and giving him sight. Like I was blind and now I can see we had a baby (laughs) with a very traumatic brain injury and now there is no detectable evidence or sign of brain damage. I can't explain Um, this. And, and to be honest, like I don't want to, I don't know how to, like it was just a miracle and it's hard to like receive that miracle. Like what God did you just did you just do this? Like, cause I've asked God for so many things that he hasn't given me. And I didn't, I wasn't even in a place to ask him to heal, but the church stepped in and asked him to heal her. And he did. And 
Yeah. That's that's a story. Yeah. That's a story. And we say that often at exchanges. Sometimes even, you know, when we when we walk in the room, mm-hmm. sometimes we have the faith and what we need to sing the words that we are asking people to sing. Yeah. You want to. And then other days you walk in and you desperately need the people around you to sing for you. Yeah. And in this moment, right, like, I mean, your faith, faith was as strong as it could be, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, and yet you even said, like, I just, I didn't even, I didn't even, you know, I wasn't able to pray for that kind of miracle. And the yeah. church prayed that miracle for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if, I don't know why I wasn't praying for healing. I well, was you just, had just given birth. Yeah. And like, I mean, let's just be honest. Like, yeah. let's not, like, yeah. I, I don't think, just to be clear, um, you know, I, I have great respect for Melanie's faith and your walk <laughs> with the Lord. Thanks. And so there's, there's no, yeah. there's no arrows or judgment there. I mean, yeah. that's a lot to bring in. Yeah. Right? I, I was just in a place of like trying to just trust that she was in God's hands and that's all I could do. Um, yeah. 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 So and I just love, I love the fact that when you weren't able to pray, Mm-hmm. Others prayed for you, yeah. and that's that is literally the story of the church. Yeah, right? like this is this is why we live our faith in community, mm-hmm. we, not just for meals that come after her birth, and mm-hmm. you know people come in to help you and and all that kind of stuff. That's great. That's part of community. Yeah. But I think the 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 tireless and relentless prayers that you know and mm-hmm. believe others are praying on your behalf. Yeah, they've never met Flora. Yeah. They're praying these prayers for Flora, not of just healing, of like that God launches her into the world yeah. and uses her story, you know? Yeah. And I just, you know, here's here's the thing. I think um, that this is just the first story <laughs> that Florence will tell. Yeah. You know, I think um, she's got many more to come, mm-hmm. and I think that God has incredible plans for her. Yeah. And for your family. And I'm really thankful that you shared yeah. all of that with us today. Like I said, Exchange, there's a lot more to this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would encourage you to reach out, um, ask questions, and engage uh, Michael and Melanie on this story. I hope it encouraged you, Exchange, to pray big prayers, mm-hmm. to believe in a God that still does miracles, to hope for um a relationship and seek and pursue a relationship with him that's that is a comfort in these dark moments of life i would encourage you as you look back on your story to see the moments where god stepped in and rescued you in ways that you might overlook and so as you look at your story and listen to this one i hope that you see and remember a faithful god who loves you who pursues you and also uh is working things out for you. We love you, Exchange. We'll see you next time on Exchanging Stories.